Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for being here and for making True North part of your Sunday. Uh, as Daniel said, my name is Joe. I'm on the teaching team here at True North. Uh, and it's really wonderful to be with you for week seven in our series, Starting Point. Um, just as full disclosure before we get started, uh, this uh, series is adapted from a pastor named Andy Stanley, so if I say some smart things today, chances are he definitely said them first. I just want to get that out of the way. And if you have missed any of the, the uh, messages in this series so far, you should definitely go back and listen to them on our website because these messages really build upon one another and are best consumed when they're one after the other. However, if you've missed a week or this is your first time uh, with the series, let me just recap for you. What we're doing with this series is we're taking a look at the concept of religion and just admitting to the fact that as you're growing up, your parents or your grandparents or whoever raised you, they impart unto you some beliefs about religion. There are some certain things that you begin to believe and then you take those with you as you head out into the real world and then you hold them up to the light and some things stick and some things don't. And so what we're doing with this is we're asking the question, what would happen if we just wipe the slate completely clean and we started to build a foundation, had a new starting point for religion. And that's what we've been doing each of these past six weeks. And for today, what we're gonna be discussing is the concept of faith or belief. Those two words are gonna be interchangeable today, faith and belief. And the reason why we're gonna focus on those things is those are words that kind of get kind of uh, scooped up into religion. And when they get scooped up into religion, they have like this mysterious um, kind of heaviness that comes with those words. And what we wanna do today is kind of zoom out, okay? Take a zoomed out look at what is belief and what is faith? Uh, what are those things? And how then do they fit inside the concept of religion? Because we're gonna be starting in that place um, bear with me, the message is a bit unconventional in the sense that there will be some scripture, but it's going to come later on in the message. For right now, we just want to focus on what is belief? What is it apart from religion? Well, there are three major observations that we're going to make today about belief. The first one is the one we'll spend the most time on, and that is that the ability to believe is a gift, and it is the greatest gift at mankind's disposal. The ability to believe is a gift, and it is the greatest gift at mankind's disposal. We cannot overstate this. Everything that has been done and will be done, good or bad, was done because somebody believed it could be done, and then they believed that they would get it done, and then they did. Every problem that has ever been solved was because somebody believed it could be and should be solved. Mountains have been moved um, by belief. Faith, medical mountains, the idea that there were diseases that once killed millions of people that no longer exist anymore, um, human rights mountains, slavery, things that have completely shifted and changed in our world. Why? Because somebody believed it should change, it be they believed it could change, and then they changed it. Belief is an incredibly powerful thing. The ability to believe is behind everything good and everything bad that we've ever done. It's like a weapon. You point belief at something and things just seem to happen. Ideologies, belief systems drive world events. This nation in the 1700s, right? This nation got started because a bunch of colonists believed that they didn't want to do things the way the British did. They believed things should be done differently. And so they believed themselves right into a revolution, right into a war. And we started a nation. 
And then what happened in the 1800s, the people who were part of that nation had different beliefs. Some people believed the country should be run this way. Others believed it should be run this way. Federal law, well, what about state law? Well, what about you minding your own business? Well, you mind your own business. Well, I'm going to get a gun. Well, I'm getting a gun. And then we had a civil war. And 500,000, over 500,000 people lost their life. Why? Because of a difference in beliefs. And then on an individual level, belief is incredibly powerful. Have you ever had something that you believed you could do and you know that the reason that you got that thing done is because you first believed that you could do it? Maybe there are people in your life, there are naysayers, there are doubters, don't do that, you know, don't take that job, don't move here, don't do this, don't go to that thing, you know, don't, don't put your energy into that. And you're like, no, I, I believe I could do it, I'm going to do it. And then you did it. If you have belief, if you truly believe something, we will look for a way until we find a way. I see this um, on the show Shark Tank sometimes. Anybody ever watch Shark Tank, right? They have the reruns on uh, MSNBC or whatever channel they're on, and then they're on every Friday night, they have a new episode. And if you've never seen Shark Tank, it's basically these people that have a product come in, they have a company, and they pitch to these shark investors the idea for their product and their company, hoping to get a major investment. And, you know, there's a lot of great products that come from that show, but every once in a while, somebody comes on and their product is just ridiculous. Like, oh, we, we invented this pen. It's like, well, pens, okay. We invented this pen, it's, it's fuzzy, and it, we put eyes on it. And here's our, here's our product. And like, there's always, you know, the, the, the key moment in any Shark Tank pitch is the moment where they're like, okay, what are your sales, right? And like, you're watching, you're like, oh, what are the sales of this pen going to be? And then they step up, they're like, uh, year to date, we've done $32 million. And you're like, what? How did you do $32 million in sales of a, of a furry pen with eyes? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And then they usually get into their backstory and they talk about why they're there and they talk about how they believe that they could do this. And you're like, oh, I'm still not buying the pen, but that's cool, right? Like, you get it, okay? Belief empowers us to try, to try again, to anticipate, to hope, to create, to improve. So that's the first major thing about belief. Belief is the most powerful thing at our disposal as humans. The second thing about belief is that we constantly look for evidence to support what we believe to be true. Once we choose to believe something, we are not even consciously sometimes, just looking for evidence that reaffirms what we already believe. This is particularly true of political parties. Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. Conservative, liberal, libertarian, it doesn't matter. If you have a belief system that you subscribe to, you will look to take in information that affirms what you believe and filter out information that doesn't. It's why, you know, in some houses you only watch one channel and not the other one. Or when one guy comes on, you're looking at it and you're like, this guy is a genius, he knows, listen to what he's saying. And then when the next person comes on, it's like, turn this off, this guy has no idea what he's talking about, get rid of it. Because we look to filter out information that conflicts what we've already chosen to believe. Once we embrace an approach, we want to believe that that's the best approach, whether it's how to run a business, uh, how to raise your kids, how to lose weight. Once you say, I believe this is the best way, you automatically begin ask, uh, seeking out things that support what you believe and filtering out the things that do not. Every one of us does this. It's not something to feel guilty over, it's what we do. It's just human nature. And this ties in well with our third and final thing about belief. So we have belief is an incredibly powerful thing, the ability to believe. We have, once we believe something, we will look for things that reaffirm what we believe. And the third thing ties in nicely with that, it's belief is easy to maintain within a community of shared belief. 
Belief is easy to maintain within a community of shared belief. So when you're around a bunch of people that believe the same thing you do, it's very, very easy to just go on continuing believing exactly that thing that you believe. Why? Well, because in that community, you are not the only one filtering out conflicting information. So is everybody else. And if there's even ever a moment where you're like, maybe I don't think this, maybe I, I don't, I'm not believing the right way, you immediately have four, five, ten people standing in front of you saying, no, 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 this is why we believe what we believe. You're right. Don't worry about it. And you're like, oh, okay, right. That's right. Okay, I believe it. That's a powerful thing. Uh, this works on like a household level too, right? Everybody in every home, we have a way that we do things, okay? You have a way that you take out, you know, your, your garbage or a system for that. You have a way you load your dishwasher or do your laundry or what you call your remote. Maybe it's remote, maybe it's a control, maybe it's a clicker. And, you know, you go to other houses and you observe them do things and you're like, that's not the right, that's not the right way. It's a way, right? I remember growing up and going to my friend's houses and, you know, I would go to my friend's house and I would spend more and more time at my friend's and I would kind of see the way other families and other houses kind of operate. And I would come home and I would sit down and I would talk to my dad and he would do something. I'd be like, you know, I was just, at, I was at Joe's the other day and, and his dad does it like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I was at Steve's the other day and his family does, th does it this way. And my dad, you know, incredibly like wise, brilliant guy, he would always just say to me like, well, Joe, you ever th stop and think about why they do things that way? And I'd be like, no, why? because they're stupid. <laughs> he did actually say that, but he's the greatest, all right? I think he's here right now. I'm sorry, Dad, I love you. Um, <clears throat> so, three major things about belief. It's an incredibly amazing ability that we have, just the ability to believe things. We look for things that reaffirm what we already believe, and when we are in a community of shared belief like that, it is very difficult to stray away from what you believe because it's constantly being reaffirmed for you by everyone around you. Imagine life for a second without the ability to believe. Imagine it. You can't if you didn't have the ability to believe. Imagine if you couldn't like believe what you were gonna do next or set out plans for what you're gonna do next and believe if I do this, this will happen. You'd have no hope. So all of this about belief and we haven't even gotten to the religion aspect of it yet. We haven't even broached that just yet. So let's take a look at that for a second, right? Let's take a look at how belief and religion intersect. I have this in my notes. I'm going to read it directly from it so I don't mess it up. Ready? Religious belief is belief applied to things of a religious nature. That's it. That's it. That's all of it. Religious belief is belief applied to things of a religious nature. That's it. Some will argue that there's more to it, and... and I'd argue against it, that it's not a dumbed-down definition. It's not. Yeah, religious belief is, is, is powerful. It's powerful. It's not a power. It's powerful. Why is it powerful? Because we just said belief is powerful. Belief splits nations. It splits households. It brings nations together. It's the reason why people want to kill other people. Look at every international or national conflict headline in your newspaper or on whatever website you go to. Every headline can be traced back to a difference in belief. So belief is powerful, and religious belief is no different. It's just belief applied to things of a religious nature. And every belief system has their things that they believe, except in religion we use the phrase, I believe that, and then you fill in the blank, right? So ancient Jews believed that Abraham uh, left his family and he went to begin a new place, right? 
Uh, Muslims believe that the angel Gabriel appeared to the prophet Muhammad uh, in a cave and that the Quran is the teachings of Muhammad. Uh, atheists believe that there is no God or there are no gods. Christians believe that Jesus is the son of God. This is the way religion works. I believe that. And so when we look at it that way, it's something that, you know, at first sounds a bit disturbing, but I think, I think we can all admit that it's true. When you look at it that way, believe deeply enough in any religion, any religious system, and it can start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe any, long enough in any religious system, it can start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just does. So then the question then becomes, you know, if we get enough of believe that's together and we put a label on it and then we get some other people together and you get a persuasive speaker and you get some people that believe what that person's saying and you have your believe that's and you have your label, well then boom, you have a religious system. There you go. And when there's conflicting information, well, we all believe the same thing, so we'll just kind of filter out that information and we can just look for things that affirm what we believe and then there it is. There's your religious system. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, that's religion and its relationship to belief. So then what do we do with all that? If we believe that, what do we do with all of that? Well, there are a couple of options. One is we can just say all religion is just a, it's a Jedi mind trick, right? You get your persuasive speaker, they, they get some I believe that's together, they phrase it as the truth, everybody wants answers, people come together, they reaffirm what they believe, and there you go. There's, a, there's your religion. So maybe that's all religion is. Or maybe, maybe it's not about a specific religion. Maybe it's like you pick your religion. Just pick it. There's a bunch of them. They're all listed. Go on Wikipedia, research them out really well, and just pick one that, that works for you because the studies will show you that religious people tend to be happier. Religious people tend to live longer. So just pick whatever one you like, and, and you believe it until it becomes true for you. You could do that. But the bottom line is really just this. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> That's not the bottom line. <clears throat> that's not the bottom line. So, look, that, that's kind of the end of my, my non-sermon portion of this, okay? And if you're new to church and you're wondering, like, does, does he really believe all that? Do they, do they really believe all that here? The answer, the answer is yes. I, I believe that believe is a gift from God. I believe that it was created by him. I believe it's the most powerful thing on the planet. And so the question becomes, why? Why this? Why be a Jesus follower? Why be a Christian? And so I have an answer, and I'm going to tell it to you, but it's going to sound a little weird at first, so stick with me. The reason to be a Jesus follower, excuse me, when Jesus died, those closest to him believed that he was dead. Not only did they believe he was dead, they believed that he would stay that way. The people that knew him best believed that he was dead, and they believed that he would stay that way. Every major name you've ever heard, Peter, John, Matthew, James, Mary, they believed that he was dead, they believed that he would stay that way. They believed that he had some incredibly powerful teachings that got him killed. They believed that he was not the Messiah. They believed that he was not the Son of God. They believed that their lives were in jeopardy. Why? Because 
because this is where Christianity is a little bit different from other religions. Because in the other religions, there is the main teacher, and when, when that teacher dies, everybody picks up those beliefs and teaches them and spreads them throughout the world. But in the Christian religion, what happens here with Jesus is was when he was speaking and when he walked the earth, yeah, he had some great teachings, but so much of it was just centered on himself and the fact that he was the Son of God. So it wasn't so easy after he died to go and preach that message. Who is going to believe you? They didn't believe it. And they knew no one would believe them. After all the teachings, all the parables, all the miracles, the people that knew Jesus the best on the planet, when he died, every one of them lost faith. Every single one. They didn't want to leave their house. They were dejected. They were outlaws. They weren't going to go teach about this man and his teachings. Every one of them believed he was dead, and every one of them believed he would stay that way. And this is why we believe. Because those same people that knew him best, that didn't want to leave their homes, that were dejected, that had lost faith, just a couple of weeks later, if you look in Acts at chapters 2, and three. They have taken to the streets of Jerusalem, and they are proclaiming to anyone that will listen the teachings of Jesus. And they didn't go out and just teach, oh, believe that Jesus is real because we said so. They didn't go out there and say, love your neighbor, blessed are the peacemakers. They didn't say any of that. They cut right to the point. They went out into the city of Jerusalem, into the streets, and they said four main points. I'll summarize chapters two and three. We'll get to it a little bit later in Acts in a second. In two and three, they preach four main points. Number one, they say, you killed him. They look at the people that call for the crucifixion of Jesus. These are the people in Jerusalem, and they say, you killed him. But then they say, God raised him. We, important, we have seen him. Say you're sorry. You killed him, but God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. The same people that wouldn't leave their homes, the same people that had lost faith, faith weeks later. That was their whole message. Their whole message. If you were here in uh, week one, Pastor Bird talked about the Apostle Paul going to Athens um, to try to spread the gospel. And when he goes to Athens, um, I Google mapped it for you. It's, it's not a, a short ride even now. It's 35 hours by car. But for Paul, it was like especially long. That's an especially long journey. 20 years after the crucifixion, Paul is in Athens, and he wants to talk about Jesus. And he goes before the city council, and he has his shot. This is his chance to, to preach the word of God, to preach Jesus to Athens. And when he gets up there, what does he do? Does he talk about love your neighbor? No. Does he talk about any of the parables of the prodigal son? No. All that stuff is great, but he doesn't do that. Instead, what he does is he asks them not to believe that Jesus' teachings are true because he knows the Greeks have their philosophers. They're not going to come off those beliefs. He doesn't ask them to believe that Jesus' teachings are true. Instead, he asks them to believe that something happened. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, Paul is in front of the Athenians, and he says, He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And when he says that, sure, some people laugh. But the council looks at one another, and they look at him, and they say, We want to hear from you again. We need to hear more about this Jesus. If you went in and said, Jesus says, love your neighbor, would he have gotten that same reaction? My guess is probably not. So 
Why has the church survived through, the, through to the 21st century? Why did it survive the first century? Why are we here? Why am I a Christian? Why do I seriously believe that you should consider and reconsider the Christian faith over and over again? Because when Jesus died, nobody believed. No one. All the saints, St. Peter, St. Matthew, St. John, none of them wrote when he died. None of them wrote in their, in their little books. I actually think he's coming back, but I don't want to tell anybody. Nobody did that. No one did that. Instead, each one of them, to a man, wrote how they lost faith. They were all cowards. And then they saw something. They didn't believe something. It was better than that. They saw something. They saw their risen Savior, and something happened inside of them. And suddenly these, these men who were hidden in their homes took to the streets, went across the world. And for the first 40 years of the church, the message wasn't that God had said something through Jesus. The message was God did something through Jesus. He raised him from the dead. We don't just believe that Jesus' teachings are true. We believe that something happened. This is the foundation of our faith, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. All his teachings are wonderful. They're amazing. We should walk with them every single day. But the reason we're Christians is we believe that something happened. It's foundational to our faith. So the question then is, why do we believe it? Well, it's not because the Bible said so. That's not the answer. The real answer is that for the first 200 plus years, there was no Bible to read. The New Testament hadn't been compiled yet. And so thousands and thousands of people are coming to Jesus, not because they read the Bible, but because eyewitness accounts, those people so truly believed what they had seen, they won over people to the church. The church wasn't launched because of a book. The church was launched because of a resurrected Savior and because the men who had seen it and ran and hid after his death were also eyewitnesses to the account of his resurrection. Matthew, an eyewitness, wrote about it. John, who took care of Jesus' mother, wrote about it. Peter, who ran like a cow coward. Paul, who was a contemporary to all these people, they wrote about the Savior, their God, Jesus Christ. These are the same people who before his death believed None of that. So, when we talk about a starting point for our faith, the fundamental question that we all have to wrestle with is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We know he walked the earth, but who was he? And as you wrestle with that, keep in mind that the people that walked with him, that knew him best, they had two very different answers to that question, pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. Two very different answers. So what does that mean? If we believe in post-resurrection Jesus, that is great news. It means that when you pray, you can believe that God hears your private prayers because Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, said that when you pray, God hears your private prayers. It means that when you sit down to pray, you can call the Creator God Father because Jesus, the risen Son of God, said that when you pray, pray our Father. 
And it means that when you come across troubled times in your life, it means that it's okay. You should expect them because Jesus told us to expect them. But he also said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. All of those things meant nothing when he was lying on the cross. But they meant everything three days later when he rose from the dead. We believe that something happened. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for every single person in this room, Father, and we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus, Father. We thank you for the gift of belief. We thank you that we can have faith and we can place that faith in whatever we so choose, Lord. We thank you for that free will, Father, but we also thank you for the story of your son, Jesus. We thank you for his teachings. We thank you for the men that walked among him, Father, and we thank you for their account of their loss of faith. So that when we read about the resurrection and we see the boldness with which they preach, we too can believe that something happened, that there is a risen Son of God. Jesus is our Lord and Savior, Father, that we can put our faith in him, that everything that he said and everything that he taught can be validated if we choose to believe that in that post-resurrection Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We pray for everyone as they head out into their week, Lord, for a blessed week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.